This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. So much to get to today. Marcus Fuller from the Star Tribune covers the Gophers men's basketball team will be with me in a little bit. That season starts on Tuesday. Um, Hard to believe it's that soon, but here we go. Gophers under Ben Johnson, first-year head coach. We'll see what they are able to do this season should be kind of a, a rebuilding year. That's a polite way to put it. Marcus and I will talk a little bit more about the roster, what to expect, and a little bit more about Ben Johnson. Big story for Marcus coming out on Ben Johnson in Sunday's newspaper. Also talk Timberwolves. Boy, they can't have it. Uh, they can't have both sides of the ball. We talked to, to Chris Hine on Wednesday's show about the offense struggling so much. Well, they scored 115 against the Clippers on uh on Wednesday night, that would have been enough to win a lot of their games this year. Unfortunately, they gave up 126 to Los Angeles, tried to push the pace, didn't exactly work out, at least not in the win column. Maybe they feel better about their offense right now, but they can't feel good about that result. So I'll talk about that a little bit more. P.J. Flex contract extension, that's a big deal as well. We'll get to that. And uh, the Minnesota United playoff picture starting to come into focus. I will mention that, although I think Jerry Zagoda will be on Friday's show to help break down what is at stake this weekend for the Loons. But first, what did I miss? Wow. Wednesday was quite a day for Aaron Rodgers. Got caught in his big vaccination lie. Said in late August that he was, quote, immunized when asked if he had been vaccinated against COVID-19. Yeah, he wasn't. He was uh, got COVID, been placed on the reserve list. We know that he isn't vaccinated because of the protocols he's in right now. If he was vaccinated, he would at least have a chance to play in Sunday's game, but he has been ruled out for that game. We'll have to sit out a minimum of 10 days under the league's protocols. Now, didn't he say he was vaccinated in Late August when he was asked, um, well, here's what he said at the time. Yeah, I've been immunized. That was during a news conference with Packers Media in late August. Now, there's guys on the team that haven't been vaccinated. I think it's a personal decision. I'm not going to judge those guys. So he didn't say specifically that he'd been vaccinated. So what he did instead was, now that we know he wasn't vaccinated, was worse than an outright lie. It was a misdirection. It was a sleight of hand. Tried to have it both ways to create the illusion that he was vaccinated. Now, apparently he had some sort of alternate treatment. This is according to an ESPN.com story. Petitioned the NFL to have it count as being vaccinated. The league said no. And he's been following some protocols uh, since then, apparently, but he hasn't been following all of them. He was at a Halloween party dressed as John Wick, and he certainly wasn't masked at that um, so what, you know, what is he doing? You know, he's, he's leaving people to answer for him, by the way, right now, Matt LaFleur head coach got asked if, uh, if him saying he was immunized was a, uh, you know, basically was, was that, uh, creating a, a false impression that he'd been vaccinated and LaFleur said, it's a great question for Aaron. I'm not going to comment on it. So, you know, Kirk Cousins got absolutely hammered a month or two ago when it became evident that he was not vaccinated, that he was putting you know, his season at risk, the possibility that he could l- miss games for the Vikings in this pivotal season. Aaron Rodgers deserves all that scorn and more. This is worse than Kirk Cousins. Now, both of them are dumb for not getting vaccinated. Um, just get vaccinated. It's, it's not hard. It's science. Um, you should go with it. But 
Cousins has never flat out said he isn't vaccinated or tried to explain his decision, and he's never tried to create the sense that he is vaccinated. Aaron Rodgers absolutely tried to create the sense that he is vaccinated, even though he is not. Why does that matter? Well, it matters from a lot of perspectives. One of them, written about by ESPN's Rob Domofsky. Here's a, here's a passage from his story. Sources said Rodgers follows masking protocols while interacting with players and coaches inside the team's headquarters at Lambeau Field. So that's good. However, Rodgers does not wear a mask while in the media auditorium during his weekly and post-game news conferences. The Packers have put other unvaccinated players on Zoom instead of at in-person media sessions. So, sounds like the Packers were complicit, perhaps, in trying to create this illusion as well. Now, if you're trying to figure out What's the upside in all this? Why would he go to all this trouble to try to create the impression that he's va- un- to try to create the impression that he's vaccinated when he's not? Um, well, the upside is making it seem like he was one thing, reaping the social benefits, even if he didn't believe in that thing. It's a half measure, and again, it is worse to me than an outright lie. And why would he do it? Well, he thought he'd get away with it. That's what people in power do. That's what people with ego do. That's what people who are used to getting away with things do. They do it because they're used to doing it. They're used to getting away with it. And they assume that even if they're caught, they can get out of it. And I'm assuming that's what Rogers thought. It's like, hey, we've got him fooled. I probably won't get COVID anyway. Nobody's going to know. It's all good. And then he gets COVID and here we go. Pro Football Talks, Mike Florio had a take on the why. Paragraph from Florio, quote, here's why. Rogers abhors criticism. If he'd been open about his unvaccinated status, he would have heard about it from the media. And so the guy who is so sensitive that he's sensitive about being called sensitive chose to create the false impression that he's vaccinated, all because he didn't want anyone to call him out for not being vaccinated. Spot on. Absolutely true. And again, that's why, to me, this is worse. He's trying to create a false impression rather than just outright saying, I don't want to get the vaccine, which, again, I don't think I would I would respect that more, even if I wouldn't respect it, but I would respect that more than trying to lie about it than than uh, than what he in, in what he did in this case. So just a, a real strange, unfortunate story. We hope Rogers is OK, by the way. He has covid. Uh, covid is serious. Even if you are a professional athlete, even if you are at the peak of your physical health, we hope he recovers from that, is able to play. You know, as soon as next week against Seattle and has a full recovery from it. Um, you know, I don't know what he's going to do. I'm not sure what he's going to say when he speaks about this for the first time. Is he going to try to say that, you know, he was honest about this and that people just misinterpreted what he was saying? Is he going to come clean and say, I messed up? I don't know. I do know this. He will have plenty of time to do his own research into what he is going to say. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Joined on Daily Delivery today by Marcus Fuller, does a great job covering the Gopher men's basketball team for the Star Tribune. That season begins Tuesday, believe it or not, against uh, University of Missouri, Kansas City. 
and they played an exhibition game already. Marcus has a big story on Ben Johnson that will be in Sunday's paper, new head coach of the Gophers, of course. I want to talk to Marcus about all of those things. Marcus, how you doing? Pretty good. Uh, I enjoy, as always, being on the podcast. Gopher basketball season is finally upon us, though, so uh, maybe this will be a weekly occurrence. Weekly, semi-weekly. I don't have... Yeah. The beat writers, I don't usually get them on every week just because it, it would get a little bit repetitive, but I did start I'll, I'll, offline. I'll, I'll mention a couple of things to you that I've been doing with uh, with Chris and Sarah who cover the Wolves and Wild that uh, that I think helps uh, give us a little extra coverage here on Daily Delivery. But um, maybe we can start, Marcus, with your impressions from the exhibition game. They did win that game. So, you know, Ben Johnson gets on the gets on the home floor and at least gets to to see what it's like to win, what what stands out to you from uh, from that first uh, first game, even if it wasn't for real? Well, first off, you know, I was glad to have fans back in the building, back in the barn. I was glad to be back there myself. Um, you know, not uh, not with just only a few media members. Uh, last year it was it was just, uh, I mean, I won't say unique, but it was it was really um, you know an experience. Uh, that maybe and hopefully we'll never have to go through again. Um, you know, they had some big wins last year, uh, Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State at home. And, you know, the, the players are celebrating on the sideline uh, uh, by themselves, you know, and that was just bizarre. Um, yeah, like you said, they beat uh, they beat uh, Concordia St. Paul. There's not much celebrating going on with the players uh, on the sideline for that one. Um, but I would say that, you know, I think the fans were glad to be back in the building. Uh, they cheered on. They were cheered on Ben Johnson uh, when he was introduced uh, as the head coach for the Gophers. Um, that was a special moment for him, as I wrote um, for the Gamer. Uh, you know, when they saw the team play, it was an entirely new team. So it was their first chance to to see a lot of these new players. Eric Curry and Peyton Willis are the two uh, former Gophers Big Ten players, but everyone else, um, they're from mid-major programs. Jamison Battle led the team in scoring with 24 points. Uh, he's a De La Salle graduate, uh, but he played at George Washington for a couple years. So, you know, a lot of these guys um, you're going to get to know um, as the season progresses. But uh, what I what I gathered from uh, the first game uh, unofficially, I think that this is a team that will have to shoot the ball extremely well uh, to be competitive. Uh, they don't have much in the interior. Um, but at the same time, you know, they have a lot of experience, college basketball experience. Um, you know, what does that mean? That means mid-major level. Um, but it also means uh, that guys that know how to play basketball, um, they just haven't played it um, at the high major Big Ten level yet. And uh, really, they're not going to see Big Ten competition for a while, um, but they will see uh, some pretty good teams in non-conference. Yeah, I want to get to that in a little bit. Do we get a sense? I mean, I'm sure in an exhibition game, everybody gets to play. Do we get a sense for kind of what kind of rotate, what the rotations might look like, who who they're going to lean on, like what different player combinations look like they might work effectively together? I, I was surprised that uh, the freshmen didn't play as much. Um, Latham and Trayton Thompson, who's a Minnesota native, played at Alexandria a few years ago before transferring to Indiana prep school. Um, I thought they would play more, but again, um, you know, we mentioned um, before the podcast started that they had a close scrimmage versus Oklahoma. Um, that was the only other opportunity they got to scrimmage and play another team or opponent uh, besides themselves. 
So I think it was important for Ben Johnson to get, um, you know, his experienced players. Uh, yes, they played college basketball, but not together. So I think he wanted to get those seniors, um, you know, a sophomore and Jamison Battle, but really is a junior. Um, I, I think he wanted to get the core of his team playing together as much as possible before before uh, the real thing. Uh, I think Trayton Thompson, with his size at 6'11", he's going to have to play this year. Um, the Big Ten is loaded with um, quality big men. Um, you know, they're starting off with uh, Illinois and, and uh, Michigan State, Michigan, you know, those types of teams. So I think that, you know, getting development out of freshmen like Trayton Thompson will be key early in non-conference season. Um, but again, in that game, I was, uh, you know, Peyton Willis is a guy that played in the Big Ten before. Uh, he had 20 points, five assists, four rebounds. You know, these stats, are they going to translate to the regular season? Uh, probably not in the Big Ten, but it was good to see a guy like him that, uh, you know, he's being looked at as maybe the captain, uh, the guy running the show, the point guard, uh, possibly their leading scorer, um, to have that kind of confidence right off the bat. Um, not only that, that his teammates had confidence in him, but also that uh, Ben Johnson has the confidence in Peyton um, to kind of, kind of be that catalyst. So like you said, they start the year with Missouri-Kansas City. That's a team that you know, was about 500 last year in their conference, but the Gophers beat them by 29 last year. So I feel like you know, that, might, that might tell us a little bit how they fare in that game, kind of should, should maybe set some expectations. And it gets harder right away after that. I mean, Western Kentucky, uh, you know, they got to go on the, you know, on the road. It's a neutral site game, but you know, they're playing that uh, – with that tournament out there, right? Uh, with Western Asheville, Kentucky, North Carolina, yeah, yeah, Asheville, so North Carolina, Asheville. That, you know, the team that beat Yamkisi by twenty nine is an entirely different team. So, sure. um, you know, they played Division two opponent in uh, exhibition. Um, it was competitive. You know, I think every game that the Gophers play, whether it's a five hundred, um, you know, middle of the pack. Uh, you know, mid-major team or a Big Ten opponent, you know, it, it's going to be, uh, you know, a tough goal because they haven't played together. Um, and also a lot of these guys have not played at the high major level. So I think UMKC will probably give them a competitive game just like Concordia did. Um, but, you know, at this point in Ben Johnson's tenure, you know, all you can do is 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 try to see improvement from game to game, you know, toward from the beginning of the season to the end. Um, you know, how they compete versus UMKC will be very interesting. You know, if they do find themselves trailing at one point, uh, it didn't happen against Concordia, uh, but it will likely happen earlier in the season. Uh, I believe that uh, quite a few of Patino's games last year, early in the year, even though they finished undefeated in non-conference, um, were very close and uh, the Gophers were trailing it a lot at home, uh, including going into overtime to have to beat Boston College one of the worst teams in, in the power five. Speaking of Ben Johnson, let's maybe kind of spend a little bit of time here talking about, you've got a big story coming up in Sunday's newspaper. I'm sure that'll be on startribune.com as well um, about the new Gophers coach, a lengthy, you know, profile of who he is, but also kind of, you know, what the, what this, what lies ahead for him. This is, you know, very early in the journey, certainly, um, you know, trying to lay a foundation here. What, what stood out to you in the reporting of this story? Maybe kind of give us a little taste of what to expect in that Sunday story and what you know of Ben Johnson at this point. Well, he's a, he's a guy that I've known since he played for the Gophers, but 
and a lot of people have known since he was a De La Salle star in high school. I think uh, some of that, you know, um, just reminding people how good of a player he was. Uh, you know, Ben's a modest guy. He's not, um, you know, he's not bragging too much, uh, but he has a guy on his staff that'll brag for him and Dave Thorson, who was the former De La Salle coach when Ben played. Just having those two guys together, um, you know, being around the team, you could really get a sense that, um, you know, yes, he's a first year, first time head coach. Um, he's trying to figure things out as far as the style of play, the offense, defense. Um, he's got an entirely new team. And so each day um, is kind of a new day for him uh, getting to know his players. Yes, he knows Thorson very well, but Thorson was never coaching with him. Um, so at, at a lot of times, you know, he'll he'll uh, let, allow Dave Thorson to, to kind of take over uh, practice and especially on the defensive end. Uh, but at the, at the same time, a lot of the players that are the two players that have been around Ben before, Peyton Willis and Eric Curry, they said that he's a lot more vocal. Um, you know, he was kind of a quiet guy, um, just kind of was behind the scenes, helping the program, obviously recruiting and, and being a player's coach when he was an assistant for Patino. And now this, you can clearly see that he's running the show. Yes, he allows Thorson to have his say on defense in some other areas, but he really does try to take control of practices. Um, he brought, you know, he brought his players in for team uh, coach player meetings quite a, quite often, um, you know, and, and he's got, um, you know, his, his own uh, background as far as coaching, having come from uh, Xavier uh, most recently and what he learned there. So I think that Ben um, is a, a little different from Patino. Yes, they both came into the Gophers with little head coaching experience with Patino and none for uh, for Ben Johnson, but you know, I think that, you know, from this profile and just, you know, early in the season, you're going to get kind of get to know him a little bit better, um, you know, behind the scenes, you know, whether he's at practice, whether he's at games, he's, he's pretty much the same guy. You know, he's modest, um, he's kind of a, a, a homebody, um, you know, he, he's got his dog Bruce and him at home. He, he doesn't have a wife, no kids. Um, it's just right now, it's just uh, basketball um, and Bruce basically his dog. Good stuff, Marcus. Last thought for you. I mean, I think most people who are realistic think this year is going to be a pretty big struggle for the Gophers. You, you know, whatever comes of it, victory-wise, will be, you know, a little bit of a, you know, just a little bit of a bonus. But you know, with the with college basketball, it is with as it is with Ben Johnson having a reputation at least and an earned one of of being a good recruiter. What's a, you know, and the transfer portal being what it is now too, what, what's a realistic timetable for you to say, okay, you know, this is, this is when we should start to see this program being, you know, competitive on a level that it wants to be competitive again. That's a good question because I think that, you know, teams now can reload, uh, regroup pretty quickly with the transfer portal. Um, you know, even some of the, the giants, um, some of the blue bloods, uh, like a Duke in Kentucky, you know, who didn't make the NCAA tournament, um, you can all of a sudden, you know, hit the transfer portal and pick up some experienced players. You know, they don't have to rely on one and duns. Uh, so it's across college basketball. It's not just teams like the Gophers who uh, will f- probably find themselves, you know, toward the bottom half of their conference. Um, you know, uh, Nebraska is a team that, uh, you know, coached by Fred Hoiberg, that had 11 newcomers last year. Um, you know, they struggled quite a bit. 
Uh, and this year, out of the transfer portal, they, they brought in some high major players, and they also added uh, into the mix uh, some high-level recruits, freshman recruits. And all of a sudden, they're picked, you know, they're, they're not picked, picked last. Uh, so I think that next year you'll see his recruiting from the uh, – from the freshman class, you'll see a couple guys uh, possibly make an impact, but then you know he'll have to hit the transfer portal um, and find some high major uh, talent um, that can help them turn around quickly. Patino was able to do that a few years ago when he brought in um, you know guys like uh, Reggie Lynch and and Akeem Springs to also go along with Amir Coffey, uh, Eric Curry, who's still on this team, um, and so I think that there's a mix of you know, high school recruiting, uh, local recruiting, uh, that which he's already done, and then bringing in transfers. And, you know, the one thing about Minnesota high school talent is there's a lot of players out there in college basketball, um, you know, that uh, are having success, and they, they also might want to come home. Uh, with the one-time transfer rule now, if it is their first time transferring, uh, they don't have to sit out. Um, so that's one thing that, that uh, the Gophers could have going for them, you know, in, in, in year two or year three is that you'll see the high school recruiting from Minnesota or elsewhere. But you'll also see uh, Minnesota talent maybe coming back and helping them uh, have success uh, sooner rather than later. Well, we'll see what kind of foundation they can lay this year. Make sure to read Marcus's story in Sunday's Star Tribune on Ben Johnson. Gophers season starts Tuesday. And yes, Marcus, we'll be doing a lot more of this as the year goes on. Thanks for joining me here today on Daily Delivery. No problem. Enjoyed catching up with Marcus. Interested to see how Ben Johnson does with the Gophers you know, this year and beyond. I think it was a, a good hire, an interesting hire. Can he be their version of Lindsey Whalen, where you know Whalen came in, the cupboard wasn't quite as bare when she came in, but she's had to kind of build this program back up, and now... You know, like I talked about on a show last week, they have the number seven recruiting class in the country coming in in 2022. Things looking much brighter for that program right now. Can Ben Johnson do the same in recruiting? Can he bring in the types of players that are going to turn this program around? And most importantly, can he recruit <clears throat> within the state of Minnesota? Can he be their P.J. Fleck? Can he come in and make this a nationally relevant program, which P.J. Fleck, I think, has done? That's a good transition point, by the way, to P.J. Fleck's contract extension. Seven-year extension announced um, on Wednesday, pays him $5 million a year. And, you know, most importantly, probably for everyone involved, should at least put to rest the idea that he's going to go to another school, at least if we take his comments at face value. You know, and, and we should be able to, right? He's now, you know, in the upper half of the Big Ten four-way tie for fifth pay pay-wise among Big Ten coaches. He said as things start to come about, talking about distractions from, you know, the USC job opened up earlier this year, and his name is part of that speculation. As things start to come about, <clears throat> especially when you know you want to be somewhere, you make that happen and eliminate the external noise because that can be a distraction for your players. I don't want to be that distraction. Later on in the story, he said, I absolutely love the state of Minnesota. My wife, Heather, loves living here. Our kids love being here, and it's really a special place. It's home for us. We get to make a life here, not just a living, and that is a very difficult thing to find in our profession. So, you know, Coyle said he wants to send a message to the fan base, the athletic director, Mark Coyle. So, you know, all in all, he's earned it, right? 
Um, they're off to a, a good start again this year, six and two, eleven and two a couple years ago. Last year, you know, three and four in the COVID shortened season. But I give coaches a certain amount of grace for anything that happened last year because you're just trying to get through it. You're trying to get better. You're trying to propel yourself forward. Um, so, you know, basically the two last full seasons they've had have been quite good chance for a special year this year if they can do what they hope to do against Iowa in a couple weeks and Wisconsin a couple weeks after that. And, you know, I think he's earned that right to have that distinction in the conference. And, you know, I think Gophers fans should hope that this con- this that this contract does signal what they hope it signals, that P.J. Fleck will be here for a very long time. Uh, AC out there in the flat. Is the ball thrown in the low? That, is, that isn't Snelker's fault. Now, we haven't played that clip for a while from the late, great Jerry Burns, but uh, want to use it as a way to get into the Timberwolves game against the Clippers on Wednesday night. Like I said at the outset of the show, Wolves had been struggling on offense, had been playing better on defense. Those trends were reversed in a 126-115 to loss that felt a lot more like last season than this season. The clip was reserved for the Wolves' two best second-year players, Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels. Anthony Edwards in the game, 11 of 21, shooting 28 points, six assists, three steals, three rebounds, a plus nine in his 38 minutes. Jaden McDaniels, 29 minutes, five points, a plus 10 in the game, and some excellent defense. So when particularly when Edwards wasn't on the court. In the 10 minutes Edwards wasn't on the court, the Wolves were outscored by 20 points on um, on Wednesday night, and that's that, that just can't happen. He, he injured his knee, came back in the game, sounds like he's going to be okay. So that's a good long-term thing for the Wolves to uh, to bank on from that game. But, you know, they need more than that. You know, they were playing without D'Angelo Russell, who was out with an ankle injury. Patrick Beverly subbed in the game. 10 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists against his former team. Looked pretty good doing it. He's a little bit of a roller coaster ride, but uh, he's, you know, he's he's a gamer. He will play. Carl Anthony Towns, 18 points, 11 rebounds, 4 steals, 3 assists, you know, 6 of 16 shooting, not great for Cat. Must he missed a lot of two-pointers, which is maybe not unlike him or not not like him, but uh, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more offensive production from Cat. Malik Beasley made four threes, but it was a minus 22 in his 27 minutes. So, now the main takeaway from this game is that they did at least get the offense going a little bit. Maybe they can take some positives out of that. Hope that the Clippers in the rematch on Friday, they play again at Target Center on Friday, don't shoot the ball quite as well. But big picture of this is this. Wolves had a very favorable first eight game schedule of this season they were going to play seven of the eight at home they had a bunch of you know mediocre to bad teams and they got to play Houston you had to play the Pelicans twice without Zion Williamson they had Orlando Denver without Jamal Murray and even these Clippers games the Clippers are a good team still even if they're just three and four and when they have Paul George and some of the other guys they have they're a good team but now they don't have Kawhi Leonard right now, so they're missing some of their uh, their star power. Um, this was an opportunity to really jump out to a good start this season, and I feel like they've squandered it. They're two and four at home. They have that nice surprise win at Milwaukee. The rest of the year, though, has been flat out disappointing so far. I know they were three and one at one point. I know they had that nice opening night win against an awful Houston team, and everybody got excited. Well, guess what? Not much good has happened since then. They have not been playing well. 
And now they've got one more against the Clippers. And if they can't take advantage of that, they're going to be three and five. And then they're going to go on a four-game road trip um, against uh, you know against some really good teams. They get to play Memphis. They get to play Golden State. They're going to play the Lakers, and they're going to play the Clippers on that road trip. So they can't take advantage of not taking advantage of this you know stretch at the beginning where you know getting get out to like a five and three start. You know, take care of business against the teams you're supposed to beat. And instead, now they're they're kind of staring down at like, okay, well now, you know, looking at potentially being three and five if they can't beat the Clippers in this rematch, and then going on the road where things like Chris Hine and I talked about the other day have fallen apart on them typically in seasons. Uh, this thing could start to get away from them quickly, and that's not great for a team that has playoff or at least play-in aspirations. Let's finish quick with the cooler. Like I said, we'll talk more about this on Friday's show with Jerry Zagoda. MLS standings are pretty clear right now after some Wednesday results. Minnesota United will make the playoffs as long as they can secure a tie in uh, in their game on Sunday against LA Galaxy. Um, they have 48 points. They're in fifth place right now. Vancouver has 48. The Galaxy have 47. That's the top seven. Real Salt Lake and LAFC down there at 45 points, so they could jump up and tie at 48. Uh, but both of those teams, by the way, Real Salt Lake and LAFC, play Sporting KC and Colorado, respectively. Both of those teams still have a chance to get the number one seed in the West, so they have something to play for. So a couple ways the Loons could get in, tie or better, or hope that both of those teams don't win. Uh, I'm not going to get into the complicated tiebreakers that might ensue if that happens. I'll get into that more with Jerry Zagoda. But just know this, the Loons will be in if they can get at least a result on Sunday. That'll do it for me. That's like like I said, Jerry Zagoda on Friday's show, as well as Mark Craig with his NFL picks. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back at it on Friday.